I believe the Lord wants to challenge us uh, today. And uh, what I'm about to preach to you today is a conglomeration of probably a bunch of stuff uh, that you may have heard, you may not have heard if you've been in various classes, but I felt to pull some of it together and uh, preach to you today uh, from this thought, and that is the value of my faith, the value of my faith. And I believe that God wants to challenge us today. And I would ask that you would pray that the Lord would lead us and guide us today. Let's join together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity, this privilege that we have to be in your house, to feel your presence, to be gathered together. And Lord, I ask you that you would anoint my lips, anoint my mind. I ask you, Lord, that you would anoint every ear in this place, that as your word goes forth, it would do a work, that it would encourage, that it would challenge us today, God. Lord, that you would transform our mind, transform our thinking, transform our faith today, God. We believe you and trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. The value of my faith. Now, this is the season where gifts are starting to be bought. Uh, as we all sit at our computers now and purchase things and don't have to go to the stores. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Not, well, just I might get sidetracked today. Who knows? But... Uh, I, I, I was in the, the phone store the other day, and uh, they were transferring some of my data, and there was another lady in the store, and they were doing the same on hers, and we were both just kind of sitting there for a little while, and the guy was just kind of standing there, and then the lady got up, and she starts looking at some things, and I said, what are you supposed to do while you're waiting and you don't have your phone? What are you supposed to do? I mean, that's when, that's when you utilize that time, right? When you're waiting for your phone to do something, that's when you get on your phone. But we're purchasing gifts, we're doing all this stuff, we're thinking about all of this. But uh, that season just after Christmas, that uh, time just after when uh, this, this uh, thing begins to happen across uh, the nation, as people begin to take those well-thought gifts, as they begin to take uh, those things that they shared such joy over, and they begin to make their way back to the stores. As over $70 million worth of items will be returned just shortly after the holiday season. As all of those things that you were so pleased about, you now take back to the store for a number of reasons. In fact, here's a shocking fact as well. That 42% of women have last year and probably will this year return gifts from their husbands. Man, that's sad. That's why you just make handmade stuff, right? <laughs> the most common item that, it, that is uh, returned, making up 62% of all returns, is clothing. And again, the most common reason for clothing to be returned among wives is because it was the wrong size. Hopefully, husbands, you buy it larger than what it needs to be, but no, that's not right either. There's just no good reason to buy clothes the wrong size. The reason that gifts are returned, uh, there's a variety of reasons, but uh, it might be the wrong color, it might be the wrong size, it may be that somebody, oh, you, you've given a gift and somebody already has that. There's a variety of reasons about why things can be returned, but the one, one reason that it may be returned is because the person who received the gift does not attach the value to it enough to keep the gift. They don't attach the value to it. And again, it might be the wrong size, the wrong color, or it may just be that they just don't like the gift. They don't value it. 
I know as a child I received many gifts from my grandparents that I did not value, especially in the moment, because they would give me in my birthday card a treasury bond. Wow, how exciting to open a card from your grandparents on your eighth birthday and there's a treasury bond and you don't even know what a treasury bond is, but you know you sure can't use it right now. But that first year of college, it came in awful handy. But I didn't value it. In fact, I probably would have done something with that treasury bond if if my parents would have given it to me, been dumb enough to let me have it. I probably would have done something with it. And, and so we have this, this, uh, this time of year while everyone's joyous and giving all these things, but suddenly after that time, there's this moment when people begin to return things, and one of the reasons is because people do not value what they have been given. And while not specific to this time of year, Scripture also gives us some things that are given to us. It tells us that there are some gifts that we uh, receive, and we're going to take a look at some of those. Uh, And I want to remind you as we look at these, the main reason that I want to bring these to your attention is to remind you of the value of what has been given to us. That these are gifts that God has bestowed to us. And even though I may not understand these gifts in the moment necessarily, even though I may have received these gifts a while ago and so they begin to lose their value, I want us to leave with a new understanding, a fresh understanding of what they should mean to me and also what they can do for me. And the first thing that I want to look at is the gift of faith. And in fact, just in case you're wondering, we're only going to look at faith today. So you don't have to keep waiting for more. But I want us to look at the gift of faith. That we have been bestowed this gift of faith. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Paul tells us that uh, God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That there is not one person sitting here today who has not received this gift from God. That each person here today has a measure of faith to some degree, greater or smaller. You have faith within you whether you know it today or not. You have faith today in your life whether you feel it or not. And God told us that we must come to Him and believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. To come to Him, I must have faith. And the great thing about God is that He tells me I have to have faith to come to Him. And then He gives me that faith. He has given me all the necessary ingredients that I need to come to Him. I don't have to conjure up anything on my own. But God has placed the very ingredients that I need to come to Him within me. And yet we find, though, that the initial measure that God has given to each person is not where faith begins and ends. And we find uh, Peter mentions faith uh, a couple of times in his books as he writes to uh, the congregation of the Jews and the Christians in general. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 1, the very first uh, uh, statements of this letter that he writes, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. At the very outset of this letter, Peter references the common faith that believers have. And this faith that he is referring to is salvation faith. He is referring to the new birth experience, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He's referring to repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now in this letter, Peter is going to challenge believers. He's going to warn them about false teachers. He's going to warn them about false doctrines that are beginning to creep in. But he wants to remind them from the very start. And in fact, I preached about this a few weeks ago. But he wants to remind them from the very start as he's 
speak to them how precious what they have is. He wants to remind them that there's going to be stuff that comes in, but before you even think about all the false doctrine, before you begin to think about how bad it is, before you begin to look at the world and wonder how could the world get any worse, I want you to remember that you have received a precious salvation. Think about your salvation, first of all. And he reminds them, he wants them to know, and we need to know today, that we have received a precious, precious faith. And because of that, I must value it in my life. I must treasure it in my life. Scripture tells us that we are to buy the truth and sell it not. We have the parables of the great pearl and the treasure in the field where they sold everything they had because they valued the treasure so much. I want to remind you about why it's so precious in our life. It's precious because of how my faith was purchased. It was purchased with the very blood of Jesus Christ. It's precious because it draws those who were once far off near to God. It's precious because it took and traded my wages that sin demanded, and it gave me instead a gift of eternal life. It's precious because of the grace and the mercy that are tied to it. It's precious because it's through this faith that I now have access to God. The reason that I can feel what I feel today, the reason that I can clap my hands and lift my hands and feel something begin to happen to me is because of this precious gift of faith that I have in my life today. I think we need to take a few moments and be thankful and value the gift that God has given to you and I. Oh, come on, it may have been one night at an altar. It may have been during the day, but we received a precious gift in our life, and I don't ever want to lose the value of what God has given me. Although in a different context, David asked the Lord, he says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's already been mentioned once here today, in fact, but I believe sometimes we need to revisit the value of our salvation and receive the joy of our salvation again. Isaiah rejoices because he has been clothed with the garments of salvation. Paul challenges the Romans to rejoice because of the hope that salvation brings. I don't think it's ever wrong to rejoice for the gift that we received. It doesn't matter how long ago it was. I need to rejoice for the salvation that I have in my life. I need to be thankful for what God did in my life. And let me tell you, if you're struggling with that today, you need to pray that the joy of your salvation returns. You need to rejoice because you've been clothed with garments of salvation. You need to rejoice because that salvation brought hope into your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. I thank, I'm thankful for that precious faith that I have received. And let me tell you here today, maybe, maybe you're struggling with the joy of your salvation. Maybe you're struggling with, with wondering about that salvation. First of all, let me remind you, I've said it once, but Scripture tells us to buy the truth and sell it not. Don't trade in your salvation for anything. Don't turn it in for anything. I know there's a lot of things that this world may offer you. There's a lot of things that society may offer you. But let me tell you, your salvation is more precious than anything that you could trade it in for. It's it's more precious than my job. It's more precious than money. It's more precious than possessions. Young people, it's more precious than friends. It's more precious than anything that this world would offer to me. Don't trade in your salvation for anything. Don't exchange it. But remember how valuable your salvation is and consider it precious in your life today.
Maybe you've never experienced that joy. The scripture calls it a joy that this world cannot bring. Let me tell you that you can experience the joy of salvation in your life today. Perhaps you have yet to receive this precious gift. It's available for you today. It begins at the altar of repentance when I decide, you know what, it's not my way, but it's his way from now on. And I'm here to encourage and challenge somebody that's questioning your faith to simply remember how valuable it is. If you're one wondering about this faith, you need to realize how valuable it really is. It's a precious, precious faith. Don't trade it in for anything. But it's not just my salvation faith that Peter reminds them of. It's not just that he wants them to remember how precious their salvation is, but he also mentions in his other letter in 1 Peter, he has a reminder about faith in this letter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 7, it says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This verse, it, it kind of bothers me a little bit. I, I, could, I can uh, use this verse and preach it to you real good, but I have a little bit of trouble with it. Because it says that the trial of my faith is precious, more precious than gold. And see, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a few words in there that I don't really begin to equate with precious gift, with something that's valuable to me. And the two words are trial and my. Now, I can preach about your trial all day long and how God can bring you through. But when it comes to my trial, when I begin to hear the words my trial and my faith being tried, I don't begin to think, wow, that's something that's valuable. That's something that I don't want to trade in. No, that's not what begins to cross my mind. Instead, what crosses my mind is not the joy of receiving something, yet I begin to think about the hard times. I begin to think about struggles. I begin to think about desperation. I begin to think about being frantic, about searching, about searching prayer, and above all, something that I don't want. I don't know that there's too many people in here that would say, yes, today when I leave this place, I just want the Lord to try my faith. <laughs> now, I'm sure your patience is going to be tried probably today, <laughs> especially over the next few weeks. Uh, well, anyway, I won't talk about my kids. Just this concept they have that it's real hard for them to grasp that it's December and Christmas is coming up, so we're not going to buy everything at the store for right now. Anyway, five-year-olds have trouble with that concept. I think adults, well, anyway. But Peter calls the trying of my faith as something that is precious, something that means that it's something that I should hold close and treasure, the trying of my faith. And this is a lot more difficult to grasp and understand in my life than salvation because I understand that I'm being saved from sin. I understand I'm being saved from these things. But the trying of my faith, why is that precious? I think we need to look at a few things if we were to understand this uh, gift, the value of this gift that God is giving to us. And we start in Hebrews chapter 11 with the description that's famous of what faith is. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And there's a few things from this verse I think are important for us to understand about faith. Because when I think about faith, I begin to think about 
a step of faith. I begin to think about uh, stepping into unknown. There we go. I begin to think about uh, 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 things that I don't understand. I begin to think about a leap. I begin to think about that way. But this verse, faith is described as the substance or the substructure or the foundation or the assurance or confidence You see, my view of faith doesn't sometimes include those words, but that changes my view of what faith is. That faith is assurance. That faith is foundation. Faith is not uncertainty. Faith is a foundation for everything that I hope for. Everything that I'm hoping for in my life has at its base, as its foundation, my faith. And so that's why my faith begins to be shaky. Everything that I hope for suddenly begins to shake as well. But if my faith is secure, then that what I'm hoping for is also secure. You see, my hope of heaven and whether heaven is near to me is founded upon my faith because it's a hope of heaven and faith is a substance of things hoped for. The promises of God that I hope to see accomplished in my life are founded in my faith. My faith is not shaky. Paul goes on even further. He states that my faith is the evidence of things that I don't see. That means if I want evidence that heaven is real, I need to look at my own faith. That means if I want proof that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, I need to look at my own faith because my faith is the grounding, the basis of the unseen and the proof of the unseen. Faith is something secure in my life. And I think that's a false thing that we've got this idea that faith is this stuff, this mystical thing that we don't know. No, faith is an assurance. Faith is a confidence. Faith is a foundation that I'm building my life upon. And he says it's the evidence. It's the proof by that which a thing is proved or tested. It's a conviction. It is the evidence. This word often signifies a process of proof or demonstration. Paul also tells us that we should increase our faith, that we should build upon our faith. And we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why you need to come to church because it increases your faith when you hear the word of God. That's why you can hear the word of God that has nothing to do necessarily about what you're hoping or dreaming about. Yet because it's the word of God, it can increase your faith all over. Anyway, James brings about some interesting things in his book too. And James and Peter are writing to the same audience. They're writing to people who are facing persecution, who are going through rough times, who don't know what's going to happen the very next day or that afternoon. And he has some interesting things to say about faith. He tells them that saying you have faith doesn't really mean that you have faith. One author said it like this, faith is like a docked boat. It may look great in the dry dock, it may be painted and magnificent, but the test of whether it's really a vessel fit for use is when it's put in the water and tested. Having faith is demonstrating. Part of when I say I have faith means there must be a demonstration, there must be a proving, or there must be evidence that I have faith. How do you prove that you have faith and it's not just something you say? How do you prove that that you believe that God will never leave you? How do you prove that you believe that He will never forsake you, that He is a provider? How do you prove that you believe He is returning someday, that He's a strong tower, that He'll be with you even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death? How do you prove that? 
Peter tells us why it's precious. It comes through the trial of your faith. You see, the idea, the testing of my faith is something that's valuable. If my faith dissolves in the fire of trial, James begins to question, do I really have faith? If it's gold and I put it in the fire and there's nothing left, was it really gold? You see, here's why the trial of my faith is precious. Because when my faith is tried and I come through it, I realize that I have something solid to stand on in my life. You see, faith is something solid. And until my faith is tested, until my faith is proved, I don't know that there's something underneath me holding me up. I don't know that when the trial comes, there's something underneath me. I believe there is. But when I come through the fire, when I come through the trial, I can say, yes, I'm standing on something today. I'm standing on more than just a belief. No, there's a surety. There's a confidence that I'm putting my faith on. Jesus stated it this way in a parable, another familiar parable in Matthew chapter 7. It's the story of two men who built a house, verses 24 and 25. Before this, we have the the, the, uh, man who's built his house on the sand, who's built his house there, and he's, we don't, anyway, verses 24 and 25 say, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You see, once the storm comes, and I've made it through the storm, I know I have something solid to stand on. And the first thing that I realize about my faith when I've come through the storm, the reason why it's precious is because I realize that I can stand on the rock, and the rock is sure. You see, that's something very important for us today because there's a whole lot of things changing in our world. There's things that change every single day. And in fact, Scripture tells us that as the day approaches, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And so it's important if I don't want my world to rock at every phone call, if I don't want my world to rock at every email, if I don't want to know, I I, want to make sure that my life is not a roller coaster ride. There's only one way to do that, and that's to build my house upon the rock, which is is Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that He is the rock, and I can build my house on nothing less than Jesus Christ. I've got to build my house on Him. I've got to make sure that I'm founded upon the rock. You see, when I come through the storm, when I come through the trial, I leave that with an assurance that He is a sure foundation. I leave there with an assurance that He is faithful. I come through the trial, and I come through the test, and I realize that He has not left me, that He never forsook me, but He was beside me the whole time. As the psalmist says, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I get wings and soar into the morning, you're still there. You see, that's what I understand when I come through the trial. That's why it's precious, the trial of my faith, is because I realize that I have something sure in this world, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of all kinds of things going on. I know that I can still go to the rock, which is Jesus Christ. I know that I can still call on his name and he'll be there. I know that in my desperation, all I need to do is say Jesus and the rock is right there for Oh, come on, why don't you worship him if you've ever found the rock to be sure in your life? Everything else was shaking, but you called on Jesus and he was there. 
And so I have something to stand on now. You see, my faith is in the rock. And the rock is sure. That means that means that when the next situation comes, I'm not facing that situation in uncertainty. No, I'm facing that situation in faith. And my faith is on the rock. And I know the rock doesn't move. So it doesn't matter what happens this time. No, I'm still on the rock. He's still with me. He's still comforting me. He's still encouraging me. You see, I think I just enter a situation blindly. Well, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you what you need to do. You just need to look behind you and get faith from the last trial you came through. You need to get faith and encouragement from the last time because that's the foundation you're starting on this time, that he was with me then and he's not changed and he'll be with me now. Faith is a confidence. And so when I've come through the trial, I gain something precious. And that precious thing that I gain is the rock and the unchangeableness of the rock. And if he was with me before, he'll be with me now. That's what I gain. But I also gain something else sure to stand on. I gain something else sure to stand on. Not only am I certain that the rock is sure, but I'm also certain of my foundation. Now I understand that when uh, we are supposed to be crucified with Christ. And so if I become crucified with Christ, there become some lines that become blurred between what's him and what's me. For instance, what's the anointing of God in his words and what's me right now? It's difficult to tell. Now those other things going through my head, that's all me. But see, when we're crucified with him, it becomes blended together. Where's the line between the Holy Ghost and you? Where's the line between what you're saying because it's your words and what the Holy Ghost... You see, so it's a little bit tough. And so this is a little bit difficult to just pull apart. And, and we, we are in a, a culture and a society where uh, things are either or. There's very little and anymore. Something happens, you've got to pick a side. Now, I understand there's a delineation with, with sin and righteousness, but, but, but we're, we're called, we're pulled to one direction or the other. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no and anymore. And so what I'm about to say is not an either or situation. It's an and. It's the rock and the foundation. It's not a foundation or the rock. It's both. And I'm not talking about the wrestler or the movie star or anything like that. But it's not enough just for me to recognize that Jesus is the rock. I have to make sure that I build my house on the rock. Now, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of building. <laughs> so I'm not too certain about this, but I'm pretty sure that when you build something, you need a foundation. I think we're safe there. And I've never built on a rock. Never done that. So I'm not sure if the right way to go about building a house on a rock is to, is to dig down a foundation into the rock or to simply fasten the house to the rock. But the house has to become part of the rock somehow. You can't just have a house sitting on... You can't just move a modular in on top of the rock and hope the storm... Well, I'm on the rock. Okay? There's got to be a connection there. There has to be a fastening whether you dig down in. Okay? And Peter, when he says that when we come through the trial, uh, we, we possess something precious, the trial of our faith, he, has the, he gives us the idea that there's something in our possession now. 
The first thing is that we possess the assurance that the rock is sure. The second thing I believe that we get is the assurance that my foundation is secure. That is my faith that I have dug into the rock. My faith believing that this is where I need to be. And so I put everything into the rock. You see, we can believe that everything will stand. We can believe everything will be the way it is. But until the storm happens, it's impossible for us to know what's really going to happen. And the, definite, the, the, the delineation we begin to make is because of my own, how does the rock and building a house apply to my life? I know the rock is sure, but what about my foundation? What does that mean? Let me just put it real plain for you. You see, sometimes I know that God can make it that God will be with me, that He can do anything. I just don't know if I can. I know God can heal. I know that God can make a way. But when I wake up on Monday morning, I'm just not sure that I can. Have you been there? I don't know if I can take any more. I don't know if I can make it any more. You see, when I, receive, when I come through the trial of my faith, not only do I know that God is faithful, but I get an assurance of my foundation. Now, this is not pride about, well, I can make it because that's the extreme. Well, I don't need God. That's not what I'm talking about. This is both together, that I've put my foundation in the right place and my connection, my foundation is secure now. And I come through that knowing not only that God is faithful, but I know that if he's with me, I can make it through as well because I've connected myself to him I have made a connection with him I've dug myself into him and so even though it feels like I've just got a little bit of faith I know that my foundation is still secure and what Peter tells us will possess is something that's precious and the fact that my own faith has survived I know that he's faithful but I know that I've made it through as well again I'm not talking about humanism and pride and I can do it that's not what I'm talking about in fact I think I had a little analogy of this yesterday. I said I wasn't a builder. I'm not an electrician either. But um, uh, last year after Christmas, that's the best time to buy your Christmas lights. We just forgot how many we bought. And so we opened the tote and the tote was all full of lights. And then I realized that that one thing on the list that I was supposed to do was fix the outside receptacle. (laughs) So there's no power for all these lights. So uh, yesterday in my pajamas, I fixed the electric. And... uh, I knew, the, I knew the cord going out, I just, uh, did, it wasn't hooked up to anything, it went to something else, it went out of the wall and it's just dead. So, so I got the little tester out and the battery died as I pressed it, it went like that. So I found another battery and uh, turned the breaker off and uh, I got inside it, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a light on the wall that has a box behind it. And it's a pull chain above the washer and dryer, it's a light there. And behind it is a mass of wires. And I knew if I just connected the outside to these wires, I'd be good. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You think something went wrong? Think I died on the washing machine? As I was kneeling on a metal washing machine messing with electric, you think something was going to go wrong? I had my slippers on. <laughs> just if the Christmas lights go out, so is the washing machine. <laughs> just temporary fix it one of these days but I will say I here's here's the deal I knew the outlet was wrong I traced the wire back there's a spider I had all this I knew all that was there 
the first thing I didn't, I, I did not immediately, when I woke up in my pajamas and knew I had to connect my Christmas lights, I did not call Tri-County and say my outside uh, electrical socket's not working. What are they concerned with? They're not concerned with my outlet not working. What are they concerned with? That big, big line coming in, the source. And when I changed the battery and held the meter up there, it was beeping like crazy. So I knew the source was good. I just need to make sure I connected it to the source. So I did with some black tape and wire nuts and everything. And let me just tell you, <laughs> the first time I pulled the chain, to flip the, I, flip, I flipped the breaker on because <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. And then I went and, and I, was, I, was, I, I hadn't put the, the light back on. I just had it dangling there and I pulled the chain to make sure and I pulled the chain just to make sure. Why? I didn't quite know. I knew it should work. I knew it was just a black and a white wire. And if I hooked all six of those black wires together and all six of the white ones, it should work. But I didn't know. But you know what I did today? I went downstairs. I was ironing my clothes. And I, there was some clothes in the washing machine. And I threw them in the dryer. You know what I did? I pulled that light on. You know what? I didn't even think twice about it. You know why? Because I knew. I knew. You see, it never was an issue with the source. I know that God's faithful. Just sometimes I'm not sure about my connection if I'm going to make it through. But you know what? When I know the connection's right, you know what? With confidence, I turn the light on. You know what? I know God's with me. I can make it through this situation. I can make it through this circumstance because I possess something in my hands. I possess an assurance that He's good enough. And my faith brought me through the last time. And so God's going to bring me through again. I'll pull the light switch and I don't care because I know that God is able and my faith is strong enough. I'm not preaching that you can do it on your own, no. But sometimes we need confidence in what God has done for us. And we need to take confidence in the testimony of before. And you know what? That I can make it through this with the power of God. I can make it through this situation. It doesn't matter what's happening, but I know that my connection, my foundation is built in the rock. I am connected to the source. And because of that, I can make it through in my life. We find this example when, when David uh, goes before Saul. And I'm going to hurry here. David goes before Saul. And, and Saul says, how do you think you can defeat Goliath? And what does David say? Because I fought the bear and I fought the lion and God was with me then. I know I'm connected to the source. So I know I can defeat Goliath. There's people in here that you're facing Goliath. And what you need to do, you don't need to quake and fear and tremble. You need to go back and look at the bear. And you need to look at the lion and say, God was with me. And I fought that battle. And the lion came and he was with me and I fought that battle. So you know what? This sickness won't beat me. This situation won't beat me. I can make it through this because I know I've got an assurance in my faith. It's something I can stand on. See, we're too much like Peter. Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, every step should have been a step of faith that he could have looked back and said, I stood there so I can stand here. But what happened? Doubt got into his mind. He began to look too much ahead and he forgot where he had come from and where God had brought him from. We get so focused on the situation and the storm and we forget that every step that's led us up to this is a faith that I can stand on. This un un uncertainty here is not faith. No, where I'm standing right now, where he's brought 
brought me to his, fa- his faith. And so I step out on that, knowing that God is able to do it. You see, we think of each trial as depleting us. I don't know how this can go on much longer. I've been in that spot before. How can God let this keep happening to me? Why does this keep happening to me? How much more can I endure? I don't know why I have to endure so much. But here's the thing that I wish we could somehow change our mindset to see. Is that each trial, Peter says, I don't want you to look at trials this way. And he's talking to people that are going through trials. He doesn't want them to face the trial and say, oh, not another one. Oh, I don't know how I can make it through this. Oh, this is depleting my strength. I don't know how I'm going to do it. No, he's wanting them to look back and see that everything they've come through should be strengthening them for the next trial. You see, we see it as a gradual weakening. And Peter says it should be a gradual strengthening of your faith. This is not weakening you. It's another trial. How am I going to make it? I'm just getting. No, he said you should enter each trial stronger than the one before. You should enter each circumstance. Why? Because you're stepping out in faith and assurance and confidence. And I'm closing this morning. Sister Sherry, if you want to come. Because of that, because of that, because of how precious my faith is, we're faced with a challenge. James chapter 1 tells us, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations or trials. Count it all joy. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I like to read this passage out of the message because it puts it real plain for you. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. Here it is. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. I could, I could almost handle, I could, I could get in a situation and maybe fake it. Well, I'm really happy. You know, I might be able to, you know, the true colors thing, I don't know. But this right here, so don't try and get out of anything prematurely. See, because if I, at the end is something precious, why would I want to trade it in before I get that precious thing? See, that's what's challenging to me. Because my prayer is deliverance. My prayer is deliverance. But when I stand on the faith of what I've come through, I know that He'll be with me. He may deliver me, but I know that He'll be with me. But I pray for the deliverance. That's only natural, right? I'd rather him just take it. And you know what? Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But you know what my faith says? My faith says, you know what? Remember, you've built on the rock. And you've connected to the rock. And your foundation is secure. So you know what? You can make it through the situation. You can make it through the trial. I'm here to challenge you this morning. I'm here to challenge you with this this morning. Don't trade in your trial. Don't exchange the gift that God is trying to give to you. Don't exchange something of value. 1 Peter 1.7, we read, I want to read verse 8 as well. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, 
you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We don't see it. We don't see it. That's the hope for. But just because I don't see it doesn't mean I don't have confidence and assurance. Paul stated that I walk by faith and not by sight. What does walking by faith mean? Does that mean I walk blindly? That means I just step into things and I have no... No, when I walk in faith, I'm walking in confidence. I'm walking in assurance. Why? Because it's the foundation for everything that I hope for. So I'm not sure if I'll be healed of this sickness, yet I'm going to walk in faith because I know He's healed me before. And I see testimonies of where He healed before. So you know what? When people come and we say we're going to pray the prayer of faith, you know what? I don't know if God would heal that person, but I'm standing on a firm foundation because I know that he is a healer and I know that he can heal and I know that he has healed and I'm standing on that. I don't know if God will deliver you in this moment, but I'm standing on the fact that he is a deliverer, that he is a provider. And so I stand in faith. And I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you today. Don't trade in your trial. As we stand this morning. Perhaps there's those this morning who have lost a sense of how precious their faith, their salvation is. I'm here to challenge you today. You need to find the joy of your salvation and have it restored. Perhaps this has just become a drudgery, something you do. Well, it's church time now. It's just what we do. We get up and go to church. And your kids ask you why, and you say, it's because it's what we do. Where's the joy of your salvation? Perhaps you're facing a trial. Perhaps you're going through a situation and you don't know how you're going to make it through. I'm challenging you to have faith. Have faith. Maybe you've never come through anything. Tell you what, that's why we need some elders to say, you know what? I've come through it. <laughs> I've come through it. I've come through the storm and look at me. Look at, not look at me, but look what God has done. Look, I'm still standing here. God healed me. I thought I was dead. God protected me. I'm still here. So you know what? I'm going to come and just share my faith with you. I'm just going to join with you in prayer, believing, and you can use some of my faith if you need to. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I close with this. Paul tells Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. That doesn't mean that until the end, he believed in the Holy Ghost? Is that the faith he's talking about? No. He had something in his possession. He said, you know what? I've been shipwrecked once, twice, three times, you're out. Three times. And you know what? The third time, I'd be saying, you've got to be kidding me, God. As the ship begins to break up, I'd say, you are kidding me. But you know what? He brought me through the last one. I possess that in my hand. I know he was faithful. And so I'm just going to grab a hold of a board. I'm just going to start floating again because I know he's able. I know I'm connected. God's going to bring me through this. Come on, we're going to open this altar. And if you're struggling, if you're finding it tough to make it through your trial, you don't know how it's going to end. You're facing something. I challenge you to come to this altar and simply have your faith encouraged today. Grab a hold of something today and say, you know what? God, I need you to show me your faithfulness again. Lord, show me my own testimony of how you brought me through time and time again. Show me how you brought me to this point. And you know what? If you do that, Lord, I know I can make it. I know I can keep going. Come on, they're going to sing and this altar is open today. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We come before you, Lord, believing in assurance, Lord, that you...